0: The FedLife Podcast is presented by Serving Those Who Serve, a fiduciary, fee-based financial planning firm serving federal government employees and retirees all over the country. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be taken as financial advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. The opinions expressed by our hosts are their own and do not reflect the views, policies, or position of either Raymond James or Serving Those Who Serve.
1: Hello and welcome, everyone, to this episode of the Fed Life Podcast. I am your host, Dan Sipe. Additionally, I'm the branch manager here at Serving the Serve and Lee Sipe and Associates. And I want to begin, as I always do, by saying thank you. Thanks for taking the time to listen, and thank uh, thank you for your service to the country, to the government, to me, to everyone. You do not hear that enough. You will always hear it here. And the other thing you will always hear on the Fed Life Podcast is the Guru Ed Zerndorfer. He is back with us once again as part of that ongoing mission to reach, teach, and serve you, the career civilian fed. At the outset, they did say the opinions of our guest, Ed Zerndorfer, are not the opinions of Raymond James and Serving the Serve, and that this podcast is presented for information only and is not intended to be taken as advice. All listeners should consult their personal advisors before taking any action. If you don't have a personal advisor, hit us up at stwserve.com. We will help you any way we can. Uh, Once again, we're following Ed's FedZone articles to give us one more way to reach and teach. So if you're an an audio or a video learner, this is a great place for you. The articles are uh, in the FedZone at fed-zone.com. They are dynamite. You should read them. So Ed, we're talking open season again, and you have some key ideas for Feds to consider. Your first article talks about enrollment types and tax savings with the FVHB program. So you begin with the three types. Why don't you take us through those?
0: Okay, the the FEHB program, the federal employee health insurance health benefits program. There's also the federal employee dental insurance program. They offer some um, uh, tax savings for federal employees, both federal and state tax savings. I'd like to review a few of those, the ones I mentioned in the col- in the column, and the first tax savings or tax benefit, I should say, that that, that, that employees as well as retirees enjoy is the fact that the federal government contributes on average 72 to 75% of the premium costs. No matter which plan an employee or is enrolled in, no matter what type of coverage, self only, self plus one, self and family, the federal government pays, on average, seventy-two to 75 percent of the premiums for that particular health insurance plan. Sure, that contribution by the federal government is not a tax; is not taxable. It's a tax freebie. It's a tax freebie. And your employer pays part of your health insurance premiums, no matter which employer. It could be the federal government. It could be a private employer. Any contributions that the employer makes towards the cost of the premium cost is not considered to be taxable income. It doesn't show up on the an employees W-2W2 W-2 as a taxable item. Certain benefits that the employer pays on behalf of the employee are taxable, but health insurance premiums is not one. The second tax benefit. That employees, but not retirees enjoy is the fact that the premiums that they pay, the other in the case of the federal employee health insurance, the other twenty five to twenty eight percent of the premiums that they pay for a particular health insurance plan that they're involved in, is deducted from their gross salary before all taxes before all taxes. let's do an example to help help illustrate let's say a an employee is gross salary for the year is $100,000, make it nice and neat. And in their particular health insurance plan that they're enrolled in, let's say the annual premiums that they pay um, total $3,000 a year. So the $3,000, then is deducted from the $100,000. So now the employee's taxable salary has been reduced down to $97,000. Because the $3,000, as I said, is deducted from the gross salary before all taxes. That includes federal income taxes, before federal income taxes are withheld, state income taxes, social security taxes also, and Medicare Part A. If you look on a W-2, state of W-2 form, there are three boxes that employees should uh, note. One is box one, taxable wages. So my example here, the taxable wages, are Uh $97,000. Box three, Dan, is something called social security wages, social security wages. Um, So in this case here, the social security wages are also reduced to $97,000 because it was taken out, the the, the premiums were deducted before any social security deflake tax was applied. And finally, box five, Medicare wages, um, are also reduced down to ninety-seven thousand dollars because because the premiums are deducted before any Medicare hospital insurance tax, which is up, I think one point four five percent of the employee's wages. So that is a benefit for employees only. Retirees do never have their premiums deducted. The other the twenty-five to twenty-eight percent of premiums they're paying. Um, f- from their pre-tax annuity, it's always always deducted after their ta- after annuity is subject to federal, and state income taxes. And this is not an OPM rule; this is an IRS rule. Internal gotcha. Revenue Code does not allow uh, retirees to have their premiums deducted from their pensions on a pre-tax basis. It's always deducted on an after-tax basis. So that is. Item number two. And the third item is that if employees only, again, participate in the healthcare flexible spending counts, we're going to be talking, I know we'll be talking more about that later, but federal employees have the opportunity to contribute money to a healthcare f- a flexible spending count in which the money coming out of the healthcare facility can be used to pay for out of pocket medical, dental, and vision expenses. When I say expensive, I'm talking about things that the insurance doesn't pay or deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, the money that goes into that health care, and for 2024, it's been raised to $3,150, I believe, goes is deducted from the employee's gross salary, once again, before all taxes, federal, state, social security, Medicare Part A. So gotcha. here's the here's the benefit, the fact that money going into the healthcare FSA is coming from pre-tax dollars, and when the money comes out of the healthcare FSA, it's not taxable. So there's a real benefit here. So those gotcha. are the three items.
1: Gotcha. And and also, in your article, you talk about there's sort of three different ways that people can be enrolled, you know, as themselves only, as family, that type of thing. Why don't you talk about those as well?
0: Yes. Um in, in the Federal Employee Health Insurance Program allows employees as well as retirees uh, three types three types of an enrollment, three types. The first enrollment type is called self-only. That's easy. It's only the employee or the retiree. The second type of enrollment is called self and family. Self means the employee or the retiree. Family includes a spouse children under the age of 26. So, And no matter how many children are enrolled, self and family encompasses that enrollment. Um, I just want to point out that that's not true in general in in the work in private industry. If you are enrolled in a company-sponsored health insurance plan and you have self and family coverage, you normally have to pay more in premiums for each additional individual who's enrolled in the plan. So, you could, if you have, let's say, one spouse and one child, that's self and family, okay, that's one rate. Then you add a child, you're gonna pay more premiums, another child. So that's not the case with the federal employee health insurance program. So that's self and family. And then we have self plus one. Self plus one enrollment means the employee or retiree plus one eligible family member, usually a spouse. But it doesn't always have to be a spouse. Say you have an employee who's a single parent. They have themselves, self, and they have one child. That also could include self plus one. So those are the three types of enrollment. I'd just like to share with you, Dan, a question I've been getting from both employees and retirees. This is coming from retirees. Ed, I'm enrolled in the XYZ Family Health Insurance Health Plan, and it's just myself and my wife or my husband, just two of us. And something very strange is happening. I note that the premiums that, I'm, that we're going to be paying for self plus one coverage are more than the premiums for self and family. How could that be? It doesn't make sense to me, Ed. You know, it's, you're talking about two people. Not multiple individuals here. I could have um, self and family coverage, the employee, spouse, and four children. How could that be? And my response is that the federal employee health insurance plans, they do a lot of studies. They have a lot of actuarial studies oh, to yeah. determine those premiums. And some of the federal employee health insurance plans. That cover a lot of retirees, annuitants. These are annuitants, these are annuitants, these are retired federal employees, and they are generally in their 60s and 70s, some are in 80s. They noticed that what they're paying out benefits for these retirees for self-plus one coverage is costing the insurance company more compared to self-and-family coverage that covers young families or mid-career families. And they say, I still don't understand what you're talking about it. Well, let's think about the type of expenses that senior citizens incur include hip replacements, heart, heart tramps, or heart, you know, bypass surgery. Sure. The cost of those type of procedures is more than, I would have to say, than having a baby. Yep. Yeah. So the insurance company said, look, we have to make money. So we're going to figure out actually, what is the best way to charge premiums. And therefore, because self plus one, self plus one, some of these plans, it's costing the insurance company more compared to self and family. They're charging more in self plus one premiums. Now that's not all plans, but I have a statistic that I came across. There are 44. FEHB plans, 44 FEHB plans in which self-plus-one premium rates are higher wow. than for the same plan compared to self and family. So I encourage if individuals who are listening during the opening season here, because we have, the opening season ends on the summer ladder, they should check that. They should check that, okay, about if they're looking to enroll in self-plus-one, they should also, the coverage, they should also prepare it for the self and family.
1: None. And that makes perfect sense. As a matter of fact, the cynic in me wonders if insurance carriers said, hey, let's see if we can find a way to get older people to self-identify. All I know is self plus one. And one other thing, Ed, because I know we've touched on it in our webinars and, and podcasts before, if we've, got, if we've got two feds that are retiring, there are some cases where two self-onlys might be less expensive for them, correct?
0: That is correct, but I just want to point out something, Dan, about that. Um, it's been my analysis, you're talking about two feds, two, two, federal employee, two, the, the two federal employees and they're married, they're married and they retire, they retire and they have a choice. They could either have two self-only coverages or one self plus one, one gotcha. self plus one, okay? It's been my study that, the analysis, that in most cases, two self-only coverages is cheaper in premiums compared to one self-plus-one. But there are exceptions. There are some exceptions. And I caution those retirees when they ask me a question, should we go to self-only? I said a couple of things you got to consider here. Number one, the plan that, you're, that if you're going to go self-plus-one, if you're going to choose self-plus-one for whatever reason, self-plus-one. That both of you, both spouses will like that plan. Their doctors are in that plan. They were in that plan because all plans do not cover, you know, not, not all doctors, that, you know, may accept that insurance. So each spouse has a different doctor. They got to make sure that, that the doctors do accept that plan in terms of being a, like a preferred provider. That's what self-postborn. And the other, compared to self-only, I caution individuals number one that when you have self-only coverage, you each have to reach your own deductible. You each you have separate catastrophic limits. Okay, so you have to be careful about that to make sure that that uh, price-wise, if you you, that 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 you, you each are going to be enrolled in. Uh, your own coverages that you're that that you're going to be have you're going to have to meet that separate deductible. You have separate co insurance things like that, and separate a separate sure. catastrophic limit each act that you're subject to. So, and one other comparison I tell in, in retirees and employees in which both spouses are enrolled in federal health insurance. Let's say one spouse one spouse is going to retire from federal service. And the other spouse will continue, is going to continue in federal service, maybe retire down the line. Well, in that case, self plus one loan might be advantageous for two reasons. If the insurance, if the FEH insurance is in the name of the employee, they're the self, okay, and the spouse retires is the one that's the one who's going to retire. Gotcha. Then The premiums that are going to come out of the employee's paycheck is pre tax dollars. That's premium conversion. Gotcha. That's premium conversion. It's going to be cheaper compared to having the premiums coming out of the annuitance check, in which the premiums are going to be deducted post tax. It's going to be a little cheaper. Gotcha. Uh, That's the first possible savings. The other consideration is that if the retiree, if the employee who retires, I should say, is going to be enrolling in Medicare because they're getting close to 65. Well, if they have self-only coverage, have the insurance in their name, or the self plus one coverage is in their name, then that individual, that, that employee retires, will have to enroll in both Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B. Medicare Part A is free. That's not going to be an issue. But Medicare Part B, you have to pay a monthly premium. Monthly premium. So here you're paying the self-plus-one coverage, premiums, and you know what's in paying that, on a tax basis, okay? And they're going to have to enroll in Medicare Part B. Whereas if the coverage of self-plus-one was an employee's name, when we said premiums are being being deducted pre tax from the salary, sure, and the the, the the spouse who retires when they reach age sixty five, they would not have to enroll in Medicare Part B because they're covered by the by their spouse's FHB insurance, and by, sure. and, and sure. they would not be required to sign up for Medicare Part B because they're still under a plan in which. The spouse is still working. The, then the, the spouse, the then the only, the then when would the spouse who is retired have to sign up for Part B? Once the, employ, the employee spouse retires. And then they have a special, it's called a special um, enrollment period, the SCP. They have an eight month period to sign up without penalty. Because that could save some dollars too.
1: Gotcha. And actually, that's a great segue, Ed, because your final section, your article, talks about premium conversion, and rubber folks, that's your ability to make your FHB premiums pre-tax, but you indicate some reasons why somebody might not want to do that, which I'm pretty sure our feds uh, don't normally consider, and what are those
0: points? Okay, there are three reasons why an employee may want to consider not participating in premium conversion. If an employee doesn't make any election, they're automatically subject to the premium conversion, but they can opt out of premium conversion during when the open season, or in the open season. And here are three possible reasons an employee may want to opt out of um, um, uh, premium conversion. The first reason is called flexibility. What do I mean by flexibility? Those employees who, who Drop who do not or not roll a premium conversion would be allowed to drop the get out of the federal employee health insurance in the middle of the year for whatever reason they want to get out. I didn't say suspend their FAH insurance, I'm talking about they want to get out of the program. Normally, you can only do that during an open season. Gotcha. Okay. That would be one reason. Another reason regarding not electing premium convert, not participating in the premium conversion is. You can change your enrollment. You can change your enrollment. What do I mean by changing enrollment? This is not a life event. Somebody decides, oh, um, I have self and family coverage. I want to switch to self plus one, self plus one. Normally, you can only do that if there is a life event, life event, okay? But if you don't have, you're not a participating pre conversion you can do that anytime during the year, during the year, okay? Gotcha. Um, Keep in mind, again, that we said that with most plans, self plus one um, coverage is cheaper than self and family. The premiums are cheaper compared to premiums for self and family. So then an employee decides, well, I want to go to self plus one. Unless there's a life event, they couldn't do that if they're participating in premium conversion. All right, that's the first reason. Sure. And the second reason is not a Major reason. It involves the effect of participating in premium conversion. How will that affect your future Social Security benefits? Okay, remember we said earlier that when you participate in premium conversion, the premiums that you pay for federal employee health insurance are deducted from your gross salary before. All taxes, federal, state, equal taxes, and Social Security and Medicare Part A payroll taxes. Gotcha. I'm not having those premiums subject to that you're paying, subject to FICA like tax. It will reduce your future Social Security benefits. Because what are Social Security benefits, retirement benefits based on? Your highest 35 years of Social Security earnings. Whatever you earned in your thirty five years of working and never you know or or more social security when they compute your social security retirement payments, they're looking at the thirty five highest years of social security earnings box three on your w two on your w two by it by this Fact that by the fact that the Social Security that the premiums are being deducted before Social Security taxes, it's going to reduce your Social Security. How much effect will it have? Then it's not going to be much. It's not going to be much. I did a little. I did a study a couple of years ago showing with the savings that you're getting by participating in premium conversion. If you take that amount of savings and put it into a passbook savings account, <laughs> we know interest rates well we or a money market account. You could over and invest it over the years. You could overcome the reduction in your Social Security retirement benefit. But some people feel differently. Ah, oh, no, I want to get the maximum Social Security. So I want to make sure. Okay, so you have a choice. Have gotcha. A choice. Okay. And the third reason, and this is probably more. This is probably the most most important one. When an individual participates in payment conversion, an employee participate in premium conversion. Um. The premiums that they're paying are, I'd like to say, are coming before, coming for all taxes. They're getting a tax break. They're getting a federal and state income tax tax break. Sure. When they file their income taxes every in year, and they, if they itemize, if they itemize, they file Schedule A. One of the one of the itemized deductions is medical and dental expenses. Medical and dental expenses. Sure. So in order to deduct medical, and dental expenses. The out-of-pocket costs that you have for medical, dental, vision expenses, that includes deductibles, co-insurance, co-payments, things the insurance doesn't pay for, have to exceed 7.5% of one's adjusted gross income. And I hope on God's good earth no one ever has to deduct medical expenses. You don't want to do that. For example, here you have, let's say, a, an adjusted gross income of $100,000. In order to deduct any expenses of medical, dental, vision expenses, you have to you have to have to pay out of pocket more than $7,500. That's a lot of. Either you don't have good insurance, or your your or your family, you and your family, are incurring big expenses. It is possible that a federal employee in a particular year may incur a lot of medical, dental, and vision expenses. Okay, you know they, they they're going to have a lot of you know surgeries, things like that. Particularly dental orthodontics, things like that. You know, they pay a lot of pocket. Dental insurance doesn't pay for everything. There's just a limit what they're going to pay for. The fact of the matter is that if an employee expects in the coming year they're going to have a lot of out of pocket expenses. Well. If they participate in premium conversion, because they're getting the tax break, their premiums are being deducted with raw taxes, they can't turn around and take the premiums that they're actually paying and include them as an itemized deduction. They can if they don't participate in premium conversion. So gotcha. that may be a reason, may be a reason to opt out in a, in a year. And this is a year-by-year decision. You don't have to be in premium conversion every year. You could, t- you can opt out during the open season, saying, "Well, for next year, I don't want to participate in premium conversion because I expect to have a lot of equipment, and I'm going to deduct. I'm going to deduct those. I'm going to include those premiums I pay for Federal Boy Health Insurance as an itemized deduction. But keep in mind, Dan. Seven and a half percent is a lot.
1: Agreed.
0: Number two, now most people do not idolize. They sure. take the standard deduction. Under the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, because the standard deduction has been doubled, most people now do not idolize. They just take that standard deduction. If you take the standard deduction, this conversation, what I just mentioned about, Itemize it's, use, it's useless because you have to itemize. You have to itemize. Gotcha. The, that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017, unless Congress renews it, will um, go out as of January 1st, 2026. And if we go back to what it was in terms of the standard deduction, you know, not being doubled, maybe more people will be itemizing. Then it's a different. It's going to be a different. It'll be a different decision regarding whether you should participate in premium conversion or not. Just one gotcha. No, that
1: makes sense. And to round out what you covered in the article, you also indicated that if folks are looking to make changes, if they're employees, they'd have one path retires the other. You know, with retirees, it's retireefehb.opm.gov. But then with the employees, you indicated they can submit the SF twenty eight oh nine, but also they may have online and self service options as well.
0: Yes, yes. And and employees are incur employees are in encouraged to contact HR, their HR personal office, how to go about making these changes in terms of their FEHB coverage. Gotcha. As well as other, as well as, well, uh, when it comes to the dental and vision insurance, the FedVIP, they need to go to www.benefits.com. www.benefits.com. I'll, I'll talk to you about dental insurance. I want to add that when it comes to premium conversion, those, employee, those employees who participate, um, who are uh, enrolled in either a dental insurance plan or a vision insurance plan or both, through the Federal Employees Dental Vision Insurance Program, they must have their premium deducted pre-tax via premium conversion. They have no choice. They have no choice. And retirees never can participate in premium conversion. Whether they have the federal health insurance or the federal dental vision insurance or vision insurance, premiums are always deducted post tax.
1: Gotcha. Ed, once again, you know you're you're digging into stuff that most places aren't covering, so that is awesome. You're helping people understand things they might have missed. So as I always do, I'm going to thank you for being such a great resource to the feds and to us as well, folks. That's a wrap for today. We are Serving Those to Serve. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on our YouTube channel and Spotify. Remember to share it with your friends and strangers. Check us out on Twitter and LinkedIn. Don't forget the live webinars every single week. You can find those at swserve.com. Click that button and you will get the whole menu. Sign up for one, sign up for all. The guru will come to you. Be sure to read Ed every month in the FedZone at fedivanzone.com. There's always great stuff there. So wrapping it up. For Ed, the crew and serving the serve, and me, Dan Sype, I will close as I always do by saying good luck, Godspeed, and above all remember, it's your Fed life. Make it a great one because you deserve it. Stay well, everybody. We are out.